brands, you know, get away with getting a ton of free content for advertising, content that most of times they own, um, given the contract that they're sending these influencers. And influencers are kind of getting the short end of the stick. And, you know, it's, it's lowering industry standard across the board, not just in content creation, but also for photographers and modeling agencies and all these other people who are now losing out on jobs because quote unquote influencers will do it for free. You're listening to episode 123 of Poolside Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Anthony, and thank you for joining me for another podcast episode. I hope you had a lovely Christmas if you celebrate it. And now we're just waiting for 2021 to start. So I appreciate you listening on this fine Tuesday. Um, This is part two with Kaylee Reed. So I released the first part last week and last week we talked all about TikTok and in this episode we're talking more about personal branding and influencer marketing. So if you didn't listen to the last episode, Kaylee Reed is the founder of Hermana Agency which is an influencer marketing agency and she is also a content creator. Kaylee shares her content creation process for Instagram and for TikTok and how she decides which brands to work with as an influencer and we talk about why gifted campaigns can be harmful to the industry as a whole and how she decides or how she decided to only post on her stories when it's gifted and we also talk about how wasteful the industry is with PR boxes and all of the free products that you do get um Kaylee also talks about her agency, Hermana, and how she decides which influencers to manage as well as the misconceptions about influencers working with an agency. She really breaks it down for what she does and what managing influencers mean and probably answers any questions that you might have about what that looks like. She gives advice for people who want to become influencers or who are trying to grow as an influencer and also just improving your online personal brand in general. So let's jump into it and make sure you listen to part one of the interview as well. So listen to this and then go back to last week's episode, which is 122. So let's jump into it. Here is Kaylee. Um, and now I kind of want to talk a little bit more about you specifically and your brand and personal branding. Um, so obviously we talked about the types of content you're creating on TikTok, but do you want to just walk us through what your content creation process looks like and yeah, when you create these videos, how long it takes, like what does it look like from like idea to posting? Yeah. Um, So most of my content creation starts by literally just spending time on TikTok. So whenever I'm watching viral videos um, or like anything on my For You page really is kind of an opportunity for inspiration. So if there's a video that in my head, I'm like, oh, that could potentially be used for something later or like I could recreate that with something with Gilmore Girls. I'll save it to my favorites so that I remember what the video is um, and also save the sound. So if I'm creating the video later, I can just go in and add it. And then I try to, you know, put out one TikTok a day. I'm not as consistent now as I used to be because it's just like I'm not really trying to grow super fast anymore. Um, But I'll usually block out like 
I would say it takes on average an hour to create one video, um, depending on how in depth it is, but even like just meme videos from the time that I'm like, you know, setting up to record, I'm editing, I'm doing any voiceover, anything like that usually takes around an hour. Some of them take longer than that. Um, and I'm always like a little bit surprised. Like last night I sat down to do one at like, I don't know, I think it was like 8 p.m. or something and I finished at like 9 30 and I was like oh that actually took me way longer than I expected but I still posted it and the great thing about TikTok is you don't really need to post at a certain time because the algorithm is just very different than Instagram so that is one thing that I do like is whenever I do have time to create content I'll usually just like post whenever I am creating it in the moment or like save them to my draft so I can post once a day, but it doesn't matter so much like, Ooh, I need to post exactly at 3 PM. Um, I mean, in general, I find evening posts do better because I think people are just like on their phones before bed, but that side of things is less stressful than Instagram. And that's pretty much it. Did I miss any other point of your question? No, I don't think so. <laughs> and how does that process look different for when you create content for Instagram? Oh boy. <laughs> uh, Instagram is just, uh, I feel like anxiety thinking about creating content for Instagram now because I feel like on Instagram you really need to like be more curated with your posts and your edits and make sure that it's like super, super cute. And I'm trying to let go of that a little bit because I like, it's paralyzing sometimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, for Instagram, I don't really even keep inspiration photos anymore or Pinterest or anything like that. It's more just like I've taken my Instagram to be documenting my life versus creating content. And so it's usually just like whenever I'm out, I'll like snap outfit pics or like if I'm, if there's really good lighting, I'll make sure to put to snap photos. If it's for brand content, obviously it's very different. And usually I'm doing like half a day for shooting something for a brand to make sure that like the lighting is perfect. My hair and makeup is done. Um, the tripod set up perfectly, you know, take some shots. Okay. Now move this and reshoot that. And okay. By the time you're done editing and doing all of these pieces, stories, adding tags, sending to brand for approval that I, I generally block out like half a day for shooting uh, sponsored content. But anything else on my feed is pretty in the moment and I am trying to get better at it, but it's, it's hard. I find Instagram more difficult than TikTok at this point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is a lot more thought that goes into it. And most of the time it's so disappointing because you put all this like thought into a post and then it doesn't do well anymore. And you're just like, well, <laughs> like what was the point of that? Yeah. I'm going to go post on TikTok down. Bye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make myself feel better about my content. But I feel like you've always done like just an iPhone photo. Like you've always been mm -hmm. a little more low key about your Instagram photos, even though like your feed looks amazing. And I think it comes together really well. But I feel like even I remember when we were doing like country liberty shoots you're like no no just take on the iphone like i don't yeah. need to on the camera <laughs> yeah true but it is funny like even so the majority of my brand content like sponsorships i still shoot on my iphone but it still takes me the same amount of time you know like you would think that it would be maybe easier or less work if it was shot on an iPhone, but it still ends up being the same amount of work for anything like more staged and styled like that totally and how do you decide what brands to work with? I feel like you're probably more picky about the types of brands that you want to work mm -hmm. with and creating that content. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I've gotten to the point now where I am kind of actually now I'm like trying to think, okay, back over the brands that I've worked with in the past like a couple of months. So I'm at a point now where I can uh, be more picky based on payment and compensation and that sort of thing, which is really nice. So I generally like have been taking on one big campaign per month ish. Um, and then anything that's gifted, I will not post on my feed. I just can't do it anymore unless I'm like absolutely obsessed with whatever the product is, but I'll do those for stories and for like, you know, choosing which brands to work with. The only real, um, I guess requirements that I have for skincare and beauty, it can't be tested on animals. I like never use any products that are tested on animals. So that's my big, you know, uh, check box, I guess for that. And then anything else is just like, do I like it? <laughs> like, do I want to have it? Would I buy it? Um, I think when I first started doing collaborations with brands, you get all these gifted requests and you're like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. And then I started realizing I just had all this stuff that I had never really used and didn't really wear other than for the photo for the brand. And then I'm like, why am I even accepting these? Like clearly it's not valuable to me. So just being a little bit more picky with like, okay, like, is this something I would actually spend my own money on? If yes, then yeah, sure, I'll do it. Um, if no, they better be paying a lot of money because at that point, then it's just a straight ad, you know? So that's pretty much my process now. Yeah, no, I think that's a good way to look at it. Like whether or not you'd be using, whether you'd buy it or not should really be like the determining factor because why else are you talking about it if you mm -hmm. would never have purchased in the first place? Exactly. Um, and I feel like you made... I don't, I think it was you that talked about on your stories about brands sending like boxes of stuff. And was that you? And you're like, now I want to know what's in the box because I don't want like a branded t-shirt or like all this like useless stuff. Totally. Yeah. And I found that like a really good point because same thing. Like I have a box of stuff upstairs. It's just like, it's like a huge basket of like stuff I've never used. So they just send it. I'm like, Oh, here's a story of me unboxing. And then it goes in this like basket that I like treasure chest to my friends sometimes and they're like oh my god so much free stuff but I'm like what like why do we have all of this like I don't want any of it exactly no that became or it has become a bigger problem I think uh because when I stopped doing gifted feed posts I'd say okay well you can send me gifted stuff to you know unbox on my stories I'm happy to do that but then not knowing what the products are that PR agencies are sending. And, you know, usually it's really nice of them. They're putting together like a really nice branded box that probably costs them a lot of money. But then you get these things where it's like, oh, another branded t-shirt. It's like, I don't know if you went to like student council, like conferences in mm -hmm. high school or anything like that. But it was like, oh, like you had a million conference t-shirts that you literally wear to bed as pajamas. And now I find myself, oh, I have like all these like branded t-shirts or like um, branded, I'm trying to think of other things like keychains and uh, pens and things like that. Which water like, bottles and water bottles. Oh my God. And I have water <laughs> bottles. Yeah. Which, like, these things are, are useful, but like, do I need 10 of them? No, I could probably do fine with two. So I've started asking PR agencies, like what is being sent in the box? Like, it's so great that you want a gift. I'm like excited about this product, but like, you don't need to send me a t-shirt and like all these things on top. Just like, feel free to like, just send me the product. Otherwise you're right. It ends up sitting in a box in your house. It's waste and the one pro is like I re-gift some stuff but like branded things like you can't really re-gift yeah. like a branded bumble water bottle you know <laughs> like and I do use that a lot but 
it just like is a very wasteful industry, unfortunately. And uh, I think brands too could learn a lot by like, you can save money and you can save your resources and save products. If you're a little bit more intentional with the influencers that you work with and build those relationships and really understand like what people want and what they want to post about and what they're actually going to use versus spending all of your money to create these like pretty curated PR boxes of things that nobody actually wants. Totally. Yeah. And I think people kind of forget that. And I know you just did like a little story round before we got on here because I was watching your stories before we did this interview about gifted versus like paid campaigns. And I think that is kind of the beginning of it because when you're just starting out, like you said, when you get all these like offers for gifted campaigns, you're super excited about it, especially if it comes in this like really like cute looking box that like mm -hmm. you've wanted your, like you had so much FOMO when other people were receiving it and you're watching them unbox it. Like now you get to experience it. Um, but do you want to just touch a little bit upon, you've said a couple things, but doing gifted campaigns, like you said, you don't post on your feed anymore, but for newer influencers that are trying to grow, um, just how they should be viewing gifted campaigns and when to make the jump to paid campaigns. Yeah. Um, so for me, the jump came when I was spending so much time doing gifted collaborations that I was not making any money. <laughs> like it does, it consumes your time because I think people forget how much time it takes to actually create this content and to do back and forth with emails and to send the follow-ups and to send the content to the brand and all of these things. It's like, oh, easily like five hours per gifted collab, right? Really? Easily. Mm -hmm. um, and so let's say you you just accepted like three gifted collabs this week. Well, that's 15 hours of your time. That's a part-time job that you're getting paid in, you know, $20 product or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. And so that was like the push for me was, I don't remember when this was maybe like a couple of years ago, but I was like, holy, like I am burnt out working for free for free product and it doesn't make any sense. So that's when I kind of um, started to be a little bit more picky. And I think too, like, this is what I was ranting about in my Instagram stories today, but I think that influencers who are smaller, let's say you have less than 10,000 followers and you're like, oh, I don't know, like if I even can charge, like I get so many DMs from people being like, how much should I, like, can I charge? Like I only have, you know, 4,000 followers. Like, I don't know if I can charge. And it's like, okay, well, look, there's a time and a place for gifted collaborations. If you are obsessed with the product, if you are trying to grow, if it's mutually beneficial, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, but if you're at a place that I kind of just described, or if they're asking like a ton from you, there needs to be some more give and take with the compensation. And so when you think about it, these brands, and I, I speak mostly about big brands because I think that's the biggest problem. They do have budgets. I know a lot of small brands do gifting too. It's a little bit more forgivable because small brands don't necessarily have the budget that big brands do, but across the industry, it's the same problem. Brands are getting away with gifting product to influencers in exchange for content that they then use in advertising and on their website and in their newsletter to sell that product. And the influencers may be getting like, you know, let's say a $50 package that really only costs the brand $5 to put together. And so essentially like the influencer is working for free for the brand. The brand is making money off of that content. And if the influencer didn't exist, the brand would need to be paying a photographer and a model and a makeup artist and a hairstylist. And the list goes on and on to create that same type of content that they could use for advertising. 
so if you wouldn't gift a photographer the product to work for free, like why are you gifting it to a content creator? And you could almost argue that content creators should be paid the equivalent of what all of those people doing that job are being paid. So not just paying the same as a photographer, but photographer, model, hairstylist, makeup artist, because you are all of those things in one. You are an entire production team, an agency in one person. And so there is this problem that brands are taking advantage of influencers in this way. And I think influencers need to be a little bit more confident in negotiating and like standing up for themselves and asking for payment even if the answer is no, I think it's important to ask and, you know, provide reasoning and help raise the bar and the standard in the industry because otherwise um, brands, you know, get away with getting a ton of free content for advertising, content that most of times they own um, given the contract that they're sending these influencers and influencers are kind of getting the short end of the stick and, you know, it's, it's lowering industry standard across the board, not just in content creation, but also for photographers and modeling agencies and all these other people who are now losing out on jobs because quote unquote influencers will do it for free. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't even have any follow-up questions to that because I totally agree <laughs> with everything that you've said. And I think it is just establishing that confidence to ask for the payment. Cause I know even now, like I've had conversations with influencers now that we do the same campaign and we're still getting paid different things depending on what we asked for mm -hmm. and the brands are obviously not going to be like oh actually you know what I've paid this influencer five thousand dollars more I'll <laughs> give it to you like no they're not saying that to you and so it's up to yeah. you to like take the money that's on the table oh, um, exactly. you know and can you tell us a little bit about your agency so about Hermana and how that started and can you talk about the like talent management side because I know people don't even know that that exists first of all, <laughs> and don't really understand how it works or like why that you would exist if for an agency. Totally. Um, so I started my agency about a year ago, as I mentioned, and I had been freelancing in influencer marketing for a few years prior to that. So um, leading up to that, the majority of my work was creating uh, basically influencer campaigns for brand clients. So they would hire me. Um, they would say, hey, we want to do a campaign for our new uh, bath product. Uh, we want to work with 50 influencers and our budget is X, you know, what can we do? And so then I would basically come in and I'd be like, okay, with this budget, we can work with, you know, micro size influencers. Um, this is the length of the campaign. I come and like basically create the campaign for them, all the guidelines and the mood boards and all of that. I manage the relationships, um, all that fun stuff that goes in with being on that brand side of the campaign. And so after doing that for a couple of years, um, I had an article in Huffington Post that they basically interviewed me about paying micro-influencers and how much money you can make as a micro-influencer and kind of the rate transparencies and discrepancies in the industry. And after that article went out, um, I think it like got a bit of wind because I started getting inquiries from influencers who wanted me to represent them. And at the time I didn't do this, <laughs> I just worked on the brand side. Um, but I think the reason that people were asking me for this type of help is because as a micro influencer and like content creator myself, 
I had been getting, you know, paid deals and some like pretty sizable deals um, for somebody with less than 10,000 followers. And so there was influencers with like, let's say 50 or 100 or 200,000 followers who we're not even getting paid that amount. <laughs> and so they're emailing me being like, how are you getting these rates? Like, I don't understand. Brands are not paying me. They only want to gift me. And so after I jumped on some calls, um, basically became a talent manager in that way. Uh, and what I do now with the agency, so I still work on the brand side. I still manage relationships for brand campaigns and basically help educate brands that I work with, like my clients on like, why you choose certain influencers for certain things, what type of metrics we're looking at, all of those fun things. Um, but additionally, we have a pretty small roster of influencers who basically I'm managing the business side of their influencer business or of their content creation. And so um, the way that I choose influencers, uh, most of the influencers, I think, every single one actually that I manage right now has approached me for uh, management. So if you're an influencer that, you know, is looking for an agent or a manager, don't be afraid to reach out to agencies that you are interested in or that represent similar influencers because they're not always going to come to you. Um, and I basically choose people one based on, do I love their content? Like, is it good content or is it just like basic, like fluffy, whatever? Um, is it creative? Are they like doing something cool or different? Do they have a unique spin? I work with a lot of like body positive self-love, like that kind of niche category, um, along with fashion. So it's not just fashion people, but it's like, there's something more to it. And then also just like making sure that their engagement is real, um, that they're already getting brand collaborations, because I think one misconception that people have is that if you join an agency, you are all of a sudden very magically going to get like a million brand deals. But if you are somebody who is not getting brand deals to begin with, the problem is probably lying with your content or your engagement or a number of those things versus um, you know, whether or not you're with an agency, because if a brand wants to work with you, they're going to reach out to you no matter what, like you don't need an agency to get these brand connections. The role that I play at the agency though, is one pitching influencers for additional deals. So I have a lot of contacts, um, with other talent agents and managers who are running campaigns for big clients, big brands, and we basically share our rosters with each other. So I'm kind of like a connecting piece, um, helping, pitch these influencers. But then additionally, and I would say this is probably 75% of my job with these influencers is I'm managing the deals they already have. So I'm negotiating on their behalf. Um, I'm, you know, reviewing contracts. I'm doing invoices. I'm making sure that all of the timelines and deadlines are in our calendars. I'm following up with the influencer to make sure that they post it on time, doing all of those types of things. And so when I said like, just because you join an agency doesn't mean you're magically going to get like all of these new brand deals. It's because the main function I think of a lot of talent managers is to manage the things that you already have going on and to basically come in and help you um, keep track of the business side so that you can focus on content creation. And so there are some really great agencies that are going to help connect you and get you more deals. And like I said, that's maybe like 25% of what I do is like the outreach and the pitching and securing new brand collaborations. 
but 75% of it is negotiating existing deals and making sure that those influencers are getting paid what they should be. Um, going through all the numbers, going through all the contracts, making sure that there's nothing like sketchy, basically doing kind of the boring like businessy side of things so that these influencers can focus on growing their communities, can focus on their content creation, that sort of thing. So um, one of the questions that I get from people is like, oh, like at what point should I reach out if I want you to manage me kind of thing? And like, truthfully, like I, like I said, I, I look for what you already have going on in your business. Because another thing that I think a lot of people don't understand is that agencies and managers typically take a percentage of your partnerships. So you need to be really marketable and you need to kind of already be making something for an influencer agent or a talent manager to be interested in a percentage of that thing. And to then like, uh, believe in you and your content and your value enough to pitch you so that they're going to secure more for you. So there's like pretty much, I would say most of the influencers that I work with have like at least some brand collaborations going on, but they just don't know how to ask for the right rate or they're being severely underpaid or they like don't like dealing with contracts at all. And so that's where they're coming to me as their manager to basically like negotiate those higher rates, make sure that they're getting paid like double what they were last year, like these types of things. Um, but they're focusing on the content creation. But if you're looking for a quick fix of like, oh, I've never worked with a brand before. Like maybe if I get an agent, I'll work with a brand. It's like, it's possible, but that's not really like what the role, uh, like what my role is anyways. Right. Totally. Yeah. And it, cause I hired a manager like a year ago, I think. And it was the same, like she, it was like a friend of a friend who was like, Oh, have you ever thought of like an agent? I was like, no, I was like, <laughs> that sounds really outrageous. Like, you're like, I don't need an agent. Cause what does that even mean? But it was, it came at a time where I was dealing with like a PR company and I was just like, I'm done with like emailing these people. And like, they made me reshoot all my content like five times. And I was just like, I don't want to do it, but you don't know how to like get out of it or how to like, you don't know any of that. And I was like, yeah. sure. Like if this chick is going to like deal with these people by all means, like I'll, she can take whatever she wants. And like, and that was kind of how it started, but it has been super helpful to just have somebody that can do the B2B negotiations rather than like I feel bad when I'm just like oh but like that doesn't seem like a lot but like that's what you're telling me so like you must not be lying you know like it, it's a different I feel like it turns into a different relationship when it's like you and the brand and then I'm just like the extra like totally on, off to the side it's because I feel like my rates went up and I make a lot more money now because she's been able to negotiate just as a business as opposed to like me personally being able to do it so that's been like my biggest benefit from it but like you said all of the most of the brand partnerships that I even do now all have come through me like I get the email and then I just cc her to like deal with it <laughs> and to do yeah. the contract and stuff so yeah I feel like that is a good misconception to talk about because I feel like people do come to me and they're like oh you must get like such cool like brand partnerships now and I'm like yeah they're cool but like most of them came through like them dming me or emailing me through my instagram as opposed mm -hmm. to people that she knew with like extra cool brands or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like I said, like that's very similar with a lot of the influencers that I work with. Like if a brand wants to work with you, they're going to reach out to you. They're going to find you. It doesn't matter whether you're with a talent agency or you have a manager or not. If it's just you, they're going to reach out 
either way. The benefit to having a manager or an agent is that then they get to be the bad guy and ask for more money (laughs) and you don't need to deal with the business side of it. But just having that piece doesn't mean that like you're magically going to get more brand collabs. That piece is more reliant on you as a content creator. Like what can you be doing to make sure that your content is like the best quality and super innovative and creative and that your audience is super engaged because those are the things that are going to get you the deals. The manager is just there to manage them (laughs) once you have them. Totally. I also feel like it it turns into a little bit of like an accountability person because you're like, oh, my content has to be like, not that I would ever create like bad content, but you're like, it has to be extra good because like, I'm representing, like, mm. my content reflects, like, my agent's whole situation, too, and you don't want to, like, screw up, like, your income because, like, I took a bad photo, fo- you know, like, it becomes, like, <laughs> it becomes a team effort to create good content. It is. It's just, like, it elevates it to feel a little bit more of a professional relationship, too, whereas in this industry, it, the the lines are really blurred between what's personal and what's a fun project and what's work, and, you know, it's it's kind of hard to navigate sometimes. And so I think like having an agency or having a manager can really help like make it feel more like work, um, which has pros and cons to it. Um, but the accountability piece, like you said, I think is really important. Totally. And um, just a couple more questions, but how do you make that divide since you are like an influencer manager and an influencer? Um, <laughs> plus like run your other client work and stuff. So how do you divide that time or that even like thought between your brands? Cause I'm sure like, even I get it sometimes where I'll have a client and they're like, Oh, well, can you post about it on your social media? I'm like, no, no, like I'm, <laughs> me as like a client account manager is different than like me as an influencer. So how do you totally. like deal with that? <laughs> um, yeah. Interesting point. So I've never actually gotten that request actually. I have, but like they included me as an influencer in the campaign. So that was kind of weird, but I feel like all of the clients that I take on are things that I'm like really proud to be working on for the most part now, anyways, like not three years ago, for sure. There was (laughs) things that I was like just taking on to get the experience. But now I'm kind of at the point where like I do just post about like Happy Hazel, for example, I post about the new episodes every week and I kind of treat it as like an influencer thing, but it's also my work and like they don't pay me to do that. But just because like I genuinely love the project. Um, So you're probably better at like drawing that line, (laughs) honestly, it sounds like. But no, I even like clothing brands that I've worked with, like bath brands, like usually they're gifting me stuff. They're like, oh, do you want to pick out something to have for yourself? You don't need to post. And then I always end up posting anyways. It's like, I'm like, oh, well, you're my client, so I should post about it. But yeah, you're probably better at like drawing that line because honestly, I'm not that great at it. When it comes to like dividing my time though, um, I try to do like my personal content creation stuff on the weekend. So like I have my podcast that goes out every Sunday, most Sundays. (laughs) I try to do shooting on weekends, um, anything like that. And then throughout the week, I have like set times that I have calls with clients. So like Tuesdays and Fridays are pretty much like client days um, and Monday mornings. And then my like general work time uh, is 
mostly me just like staying on top of emails. So, I mean, I think for most people, emails is just the majority of your work anyways now. So I just like always have my emails open and that talent management side is kind of ongoing and I'll just like get to it when new emails come in kind of thing because it's a little bit more timely and you need to be like, more on the ball with it to make sure that offers are going through and that sort of thing. And then client work, I have a little bit more structured with calls and and that sort of thing. Is there any like tools or resources that you rely on to keep all your like tasks and things you have to do? Um, yeah, well, I use spreadsheets mostly. I had tried using a few different like influencer platforms and I was a big fan of people map, but they just recently, um, closed down in October because the Instagram API changed. So, um, yeah, spreadsheets are like the main thing that I run like everything off of, whether it's analytics or pitching, making sure I'm on top of follow-ups, that sort of thing. And then I also use, um, a couple different programs like Mighty Scout is one program that I use to track influencer posts. So whenever an influencer campaign is live or I need to track like an influencer's analytics for something, I basically input all the information there and it will automatically pull it up whenever the influencer posts. So I don't need to be like harassing the influencer (laughs) to send me their content or to like let me know when the link is live, that sort of thing. So, but spreadsheets is, you know, the main thing really. Yeah. Cool. Um, that was all that I had for you. Um, where can people find you, connect with you, listen to your podcast, all the things? All the things. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at kaylee.e.r, K-A-Y-L-E-Y dot E.R. Uh, on TikTok, my, my username is different because when I started my TikTok, I was afraid that people would find me. So. And I feel like that was still where you were at when we did the episode. Because I remember, I don't even think you said your handle on the episode. Yeah, maybe. That's so funny. Honestly, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So um, my handle on TikTok is it's actually Kaylee. And you can find me on uh, Apple Podcasts slash Spotify slash basically anywhere you listen to podcasts as Self Care Sunday. That's pretty much it. Amazing. Well, thanks for coming on again. You're <laughs> always such a fountain of information. So I appreciate it. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to listen back to these rantings. <laughs>